Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. About two weeks ago, I got an email newsletter from a guy named George Bratt. I'd never met George before, but he said something in the newsletter that really appealed to me. It was a counterintuitive approach, and I loved what he said. So, his number happened to be at the top of the email. So I picked up the phone, dialed him, had a rotary dial phone and dialed him. And presto, he answered the phone. And this interview ensued within the next day or so. George is a leadership guru. And I think you'll enjoy what he has to say, not just about leadership, but also sales and life and onboarding and all things that matter. Are you ready? Let's go. It's time for the Bill Kasky Podcast, a weekly show carefully crafted to help you grow your skills and your results in business. Now, here's your host, Bill Kasky. I'm speaking today with George Bratt with Prime Genesis, and George is also a contributor to Forbes Online Magazine. And welcome to the show, George. Delighted to be here. Good to talk to you. You know, one of the things that attracted me to call you, in fact, I just picked up the phone arbitrarily one day after I received his email of his latest article, and it was on uh, good, proper ways to interview and what not to do in an interview. And I thought his advice was really solid. So I just picked up the phone and called the number on top of the email, and lo and behold, George answered the phone. Uh, and so we talked a little bit, but tell us, tell us what you do, tell us who you serve, and then we'll talk, we'll get into a little bit more about leadership uh, as we go. All right, but I'm going to answer this in a different way than you expect. I, I live my life in three buckets. And I think about, I wake up every day thinking about how I can contribute to individuals, how I can contribute to knowledge, and how I can contribute to joy. That's, that's where my head is. You picked up actually in the middle one, but the, the contributing to individuals is I think about what I can do for family and friends and the people we help through our consulting business. And I'm happy to come back and talk about that because that's probably the question you asked. And then how I contribute to knowledge is through my books and my articles mm-hmm. and how I contribute to joy is through my musicals. What do you mean by musicals? I write musicals. I've written 12 musicals. Awesome. Well, let, let's come back. Let's not forget about that. I want to come back to that too. That's, uh, that's fascinating. You know, I was listening to um, a guy the other day talk about how we get all wrapped up in goals and money and income. And he says, just go be creative and create value for the world. Yeah, you probably have to have some goals. You have to have some expectations. You can't lay in bed all day. But if you create the right stuff, whatever that stuff is, whether you're selling a solution or whether you're you know, selling knowledge and, and, and contributing knowledge to the world like you and I might be, it's, it's got to be the joy of, of creating that drives you, not just the end result of how much money am I going to make from this article. Do you agree with that? Yeah, a little. I mean, what, what the businesses I've started, I've started because I got mad 
And the one that uh, the one that perhaps you're most interested in is Prime Genesis, which is our executive onboarding and transition acceleration business. That's a mouthful. Essentially, we help help leaders moving into new roles accelerate progress and reduce their risk. And I got mad. We we I was uh, with Coca Cola in Japan, and we brought a new leader in to work for us. This guy was going to be a vice president. We'd spent a fortune bring him in. We, we, we paid the executive recruiter. We had to give him a signing bonus and buy out his stock options. And then we had to relocate him and his family and his dog and his wine. And it took literally hundreds of thousands of dollars and months. And the guy showed up and was greeted on day one with, oh, hi, you're here. Oh, we're so excited. We're so glad to see you. Uh, we got to find you an office and you'll need a computer and uh, Macy business cards. And I looked at this. I said, are you kidding me? How is this a surprise? We've got to fix that problem. And then I realized it wasn't just a Coca-Cola problem. It was a systemic problem. And I've spent most of the last 20 years trying to fix that problem for a bunch of companies. So what's the thinking that, or what's the lack of thinking that causes that? Is it just a lack of self-awareness? Are we too busy to think about? I mean, come on, when someone's First, the first few weeks are vital. That's a vulnerable time when you first bring an employee on. What what's behind that miss? Well, it's it's just that it's the miss. It's the not thinking. Uh, imagine you are driving from Ethiopia to Kenya, and you uh, you, you drive through Ethiopia. You get to the to the border. You go into Moya. You're in Moya. You go into the police station. You clear your password. You get back in your car. You are now in Kenya. You turn the key, you put your foot on the gas. What is the next thing you must do? The next thing you must do after you turn on the car, turn on the uh, car. Yep. Put your foot on the gas. Oh, I don't know. I give up. And, and there's no reason for you to know. But if you don't switch sides of the road, you're going to die. Oh. Because in Ethiopia, they drive on the right. And in Kenya, they drive on the left. And there is no reason for you to know that. And that's the problem with people moving into new companies. They don't know that they have to drive on the other side of the road. Yeah. And they think all the things that they did in their past companies to do well are, are applicable in their new companies. And exactly. they think they can just keep doing what they've done. And they can't because each company drives on different sides of the road in different ways. And the people in the company don't know it because they're already driving on that side of the road. Right. And the people coming in don't know it. And therein lies the disaster. So tell me about, tell me about what you do then. What's, what's your service and how does it work? So our service is in some ways relatively straightforward. We help these new leaders create, well, we have one idea, we do two things, and then we have sort of four steps. So the idea is you have to converge before you can evolve. You have to become part of the organization. You have to earn their trust before you can even think about changing them. So that's the idea. So we do two things. We help people create 100-day action plans as far in advance of day one as they can, and then we help them implement those plans as appropriate. And it, it really comes down to the three things and then, then four steps. And the three things are having the plan gives them a structure for their thinking. I mean, when we get to the end of our 100 days with people, they a lot of them will say, George, this is, this is just common sense. 
but I love the structure and the way you made me deliberately think through things. So, yeah. so structure. We give them leverage because we're there to help them and say, hey, do this, don't do that. Hey, yeah, I can, I can do this for you, whatever. And then all that gives them confidence in themselves because we help them play to their strengths. So those are the three ideas. And then the four steps are get a head start, manage your message, because everything communicates. You know that. Yep. Yep. Um, over the first 100 days, build your team, set your direction, and then don't stop. You've got to sustain momentum and deliver results. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole business and a whole book in about 30 seconds. How would somebody get a copy of your book? So the book is, is readily available. It's, uh, in theory, it's, theory, it's a must stock in Barnes & Noble. It's certainly on Amazon and, and all the online things. It's called The New Leader's 100-Day Action Plan. We sell about between 500 and 1,000 copies a month and have every month for 10 years. So. God, that's awesome. Good. Well, I encourage that's listeners to, to get a copy of that. And is it helpful for, for a CEO who's not bringing in people? Is there anything, I, I would assume there's, it's full, packed full of stuff that even a CEO who's not bringing in a lot of people could, could use or an HR person? Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's, it's useful. The, the essence of it is leadership, but it is really a single purpose tool. It is okay. designed for a leader going into a new job. And, and there are other leadership books that are, you know, more generally applicable. The, the underlying idea, and I, I think you're going to like this one, given a lot of what you've been, uh, what I've heard you say in terms of sales, our, our underlying concept is the requirement of other focused leaders. Yeah. And the leaders that put themselves first in any situation inevitably lose. It's, it's true in selling. It's true in leadership. It's true everything. But the leaders that, that you know, wake up every day saying, how do I help others be successful? How do I, how do I help my, my consumers, my customers be successful? How do I help my colleagues be successful? How do I help my suppliers be successful? They do better. So can, can we move the topic a little bit to just general leadership? Yeah, I have heard statistics that say, and you you probably will shoot holes in them, that roughly 70% of people when they leave a company, not when they get fired, but when they leave a company voluntarily, voluntarily, they leave because of their leader, not because of the company. Do you buy into that? And if if not, is there any any perspective you have on it? Yeah, it's actually more specific than that. It's because of their direct supervisor. And, and it's line of sight and it's, it's the person that's torturing them. And, uh, so I think, and, and this is straight out of a lot of my books, I think leadership is fundamentally about inspiring and enabling others to do their absolute best together to realize a meaningful and rewarding shared purpose, which is another way of saying it's all about happiness because I'm sure you've read the George Brett theory of happiness. I don't know if you can take notes, but write this down. Happiness is good. How cool is that? (laughs) Hang on a second. Profound, profound. You got it? Well, actually, it's three goods. Everybody, everybody is motivated by a combination of doing good for others, doing things they're good at, and doing good for me. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a supervisor that is inspiring and enabling you to do your best, they are, they're helping you do things you're good at. And if it's a meaningful purpose, inspire, enable you to 
to do your best together to realize meaningful and rewarding shared purpose. If it's a meaningful purpose, that's back to the other focus leadership. That's about, yeah. uh, you know, that's the salesperson that, that walks into a sales call saying, how do I help you? Not how yeah. do I sell you? So a leader's doing that. And if they do that, then they all win. People stick with those leaders. But if you have a leader who is not inspiring you and disenabling you and getting in your way, then you leave. Yeah. That's what they leave because of their direct, their direct supervisor is making it harder, if not impossible for them to do what they know they should be doing. Yeah. I like the three, the three prong happiness approach. I think that's, that's so true. I just feel like we do our best work when we're satisfied, when we're joyful, when we love what we do and who we do it for. Uh, I just, and, and you know, I wouldn't say it's rare, but it, it, it is not a 90%. It's not 90% of the company. So here's my, here's my next question. We're talking today, by the way, with George Bratt, B-R-A-D-T. He's a contributing author uh, at Forbes, and he's also written several books. You can go to his website. Is it primegenesis.com? Is that the best place to send people? Yes, it is. Okay. I, I get a lot of times from my leaders that, and I work primarily with sales leaders. I work with salespeople, but I also have some coaching groups of, of sales managers and sales leaders. And I get a lot of times that they would prefer not to always be focused on the numbers and on the data or on the spreadsheets or on the results or on the pipeline, but they get so much pressure from their CEOs and upper management to focus on that that they in turn just take that pressure and then put it back on the sales team. I, I always say that, well, you're responsible for taking that and reframing it so that it doesn't come across as pressure on numbers. It comes across as how do we help more people? How do we get in front of more people so that we can solve more problems? We can sell more solutions because when people buy from us, their lives change or wh- however that reframing happens. Do you see a problem where leaders are so numbers focused that the other stuff gets passed by. It's it's chicken and egg, and and it's not clear. I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, if people are so focused on the numbers that they're not doing the right things, everything falls apart. But it's not clear if it falls apart because they're focused or the on the numbers, or that they have to focus on the numbers because things have fallen apart. Yeah, highly tactical. I I, I actually my first job was in sales, and my district man had a district manager. We were struggling every month to make our numbers. And every month we, we'd go into our big accounts and we'd say, Hey, can you help me? You know, can I, can I ship you another exactly. truck? What can you do? I got to make my numbers. And cause you got to make your numbers. And one month he said, you know what? I hate this. We're not going to do this anymore. Forget about this month. We're just going to drop it. I, I, I no longer care what anybody sells this month. Instead of going in and talking about how we, they can help us make our numbers. Let's go in and talk to them about how we can help them build their business. It's awesome. And we walked in and, you know, and the guys say, Oh, you're back. Yeah. What do you need? It's like, you know, forget it. I don't care. We're changing the rules. What do you need? What can I do for you? How can I help you leverage my products to sell more of what, to do more of what you need next month? Can we talk about an extra ad? Can we talk about a promotion? What do you need? How do I meet your needs? And we completely dropped that month. And we made every quota for the next 23 months and became the number one district in the country because we completely flipped the dialogue. And he broke the chicken and egg by saying, I'm going to break the egg this month. Exactly. It takes a lot of courage. And you know what? We're going to earn the right not to have to worry about numbers. I had great story. Along the way, I had one of the best ever clients. I, I sold soap. So, and, and I sold, my client was this customer, was this lady named Mrs. Robbins. She had a discount store in New York. She sold discounts 
clothing. And she'd buy my soap and put it on the sidewalk in not very nice parts of New York um, at cost with an armed guard. And so people would see our soap and say, oh, my gosh, that's cheap. And they'd want to buy it, and they'd have to go through the store past the discount clothing to get to the cash register at the back. And so we were truly a loss leader. <laughs> and I found uh, Lever Brothers um, damaged products part, damaged goods. And I said, hey, can I sell her some of the damaged goods? Because somebody would drive a forklift into a case of soap, and they'd break one bar of soap, and the other 42 were fantastic. Yeah. But the big supermarkets couldn't sell it. They go, yeah, great. And so I started selling her these damaged goods because she sold them at cost and nobody cared. And for two and, and and finally, I sent her a couple of deals and she says, you know, George, you know my business. Stop calling me with deals. If you think there's a good deal, just ship it. <laughs> but I had the entire corporation's damaged goods. So I had more product than she could possibly have. Yeah. And she and, and the corporation was letting me sell the price, set the price. And for two years, I managed her inventory and the price. So she was happy and the corporation was happy. And I'd get to the end of every month and I'd have the guys working for me add up all their numbers. And then I'd decide what I wanted our numbers to be. <laughs> and I'd ship <laughs> Mrs. Robbins two trucks Mrs. for one Robbins. month. <laughs> I was completely in control. And we had one month where we were, we had a, a sales meeting and, and our big boss was there going around from group to group. And I said, okay. And I knew our numbers were fantastic because they were always fantastic because we had earned the right not to worry yeah. about numbers. And so I said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to have a normal meeting. But whenever the big boss walks in, we're going to stop whatever we're doing. Who's, and somebody's going to go up to the chart and talk about the numbers. <laughs> so it was a complete setup. So the boss walks in and they talk about the numbers and every account was like 20% ahead of target, except my account, <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> Robbins. And he looks at the target. He goes, what's wrong with Mrs. Robbins? I said, you know, a tough month with her because <laughs> we didn't need her. We didn't need her. Yeah. And it was all about, um, instead of managing to the numbers, I managed, we managed ahead of the numbers because that mm -hmm. gave us the right to serve our clients in the way our clients and customers should be served. And then the numbers took care of themselves. Yeah, that's right. And you were a part of her business and she, there was a ton of trust there and you knew you could read her mind. You knew what she needed and wanted. And so there's a whole lot that went into that relationship. I'm sure it was much, much deeper than what you said, but the bottom line is, uh, Trust. I mean, really, it gets down to trust. Hey, we're speaking with uh, George Bratt today. George, we've enjoyed having you on. I appreciate it. Once again, you can go to learn more about George at primegenesis.com. You can uh, find his book there. And uh, give me the name of the book one more time. It's called The New Leader's 100-Day Action Plan. So if you are a new leader of any kind listening to this, go download it. Or if you're getting ready to change positions or you're a CEO or HR person, you've got new leaders coming in, go to primegenesis.com. You can find it there. George, thanks again for your time. Let's do this again sometime. Delighted to be here. Good talking to you. If you want more Caskey, go to BillCaskey.com and you can get on his list or set up a time to speak live. And make sure you share this episode with your tribe too.